Hey guys, today I am here with independent journalist Faith Goldie. Thank you so much for joining me, Faith. I appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me on, Brad. Yes, I've been wanting to for a while, and I'm so excited because we are both Catholic. It's been a long time since I've had a guest who's Catholic on for an interview, so I'm going to take advantage of it. And Lovely. the first, the first question I had is, you know, everyone talks about the the Great Replacement, and it's kind of in reference to the Great Population Replacement. So it's and it's at this point, it's not a question of is it happening; it's a question of do we want it to happen. But I wanted to switch over to a other replacement that at least I see happening and I know you would recognize as well being a Catholic and it's kind of a spiritual great replacement just the world is becoming the West is becoming increasingly anti-Christian so I was curious about your thoughts on this and how it's going to influence Western civilization in general the consequence of this yeah, absolutely. Well, it's happened across the Middle East um, over the past, uh, I'd say, you know, millennium, um, where we saw Christians basically eradicated and the religion of peace replace it. And now, of course, it's happened to the European Caliphate, and we're slowly starting to see it in North America, though at a much um, slower rate, of course, just because of geographic pro proximity and the fact that, well, they're flooding their shores as opposed to ours. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that there has been a twofold um, pronged approach towards eradicating uh, Christianity and replacing it with both godlessness and, of course, Islam. So, so the two the two prongs are number one um, the Mohammedans, and number two the cultural Marxists. And what's so interesting, I think, is that so many um, you know um, contemporary CNE Christians, Christmas and Easter uh, Christians, you know, we say to ourselves, well, this has been organic change. We're an industrialized society now. We're just falling away from the church because it's outdated, etc. And what we fail to realize is that the dwindling numbers in the pews has been anything but organic. It has been a coordinated effort, um, starting specifically when it comes to North America and even um, the European states as well, um, through cultural Marxism and uh, taking the the American example, if I may, for as a microcosm here. If you look to kind of the mid-century and you see these American socialists come in, Fabian School, Frankfurt School, Antonio Gramsci, uh, of course, his disciple, Saul Alinsky. What you see is that these people wanted to manufacture chaos in society, so to provide a, a governmental answer. And they did so. They manufactured this chaos by undoing the moralizing and stabilizing factors in our society. And what was that? Two things, the church and family. And, exactly. and, none, of, and none of this is conspiracy. All of it was incredibly well documented. Stalin, Marx, Gramsci, all of these guys talked about how um, America was like a healthy body and, and, and its resistance was, its, it was threefold, its patriotism, its morality, and its spiritual life. And if you were able to deprive America of these things, then indeed you could rot her from within. And, and that's what we've seen. And you see so many great paleocons, etc., the Pat Buchanans of the world talk about how, you know, America and the West, Western civilization's issues um, and problems are not economic, they're not social, they're not, they're not political, but they are indeed moral. And so um, I, I, I don't just believe, I know that the, the degradation of the Christian character of Europe and of America has indeed uh, not only led to, but acted as a catalyst to the demise of our great civilization. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very ingenious strategy, though. It's the same way Rome fell, you know, just attack mm -hmm. from within. So infiltrate from within. And 
when we lose our morals, then, you know, we're, we're losing our strength with it. Like, for example, you know, in Europe, the Great Replacement is happening, the Great Population Replacement. The thing is, even if you stopped it, Europe would still have serious problems, the U.S. as well, because we've lost all sense like we don't we have different conceptions of morality now well and this is it right uh, we've 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 oh, by eliminating christianity from our european um uh stock so to speak mm. uh, what we've done is we've eliminated a moral consensus and when you're importing in masses these people um the only way that that can be in any way successful or have any hope for success is if they assimilate and there are two questions when you're looking at the question of immigration and assimilation number one who are we bringing in are they going to be able to assimilate? And when you're bringing in, oh, like Syria, Iran, Pakistan, and not like um, Germany and Poland, guess what happens? A little harder to assimilate. And number two is, what are they assimilating to? What is it? It's yeah. moral relativism. It's crap. It's garbage. It's debauchery. It's filth. It's literally the Weimar Republic. I'm sorry to say, but but I mean, come on into America the Great and like by the way, there's a <laughs> Nicki Minaj poster outside of your kids, you know, school with TNA everywhere. Like, isn't it great? Isn't freedom the best? That's, no, it, that's it's a really good point, though. That's a really good point that I've never in, that I've never personally heard anyone bring up before. But it's a very good point. Why would anyone want to assimilate to this? No. Coming in, they'd be well, horrified. Well, of course, and that's why you see them say, actually, no, our way is better because at least we have rules in this way, in this place. Um, look, uh, I, I, if you believe in God and you are serious about it, not just a cultural Christian, then you believe God is omniscient, omnipresent, etc. I believe that God, and this is kind of, you know, the Augustinian idea of, of natural law, but I do believe that God created us um, with an appetite, a hunger, and thirst for order. So it's no bloody wonder that when the world it has devolved into chaos that there is now a resurgence. And so, you know, you some, see some people kind of larping towards, you know, fashy tendencies, etc. Um, we have the perfect code, and it is natural law, and it is indeed a Christian cultural consensus, one that we have seen in the 1960s America imbued every part of both popular and, and high culture um, and, and it acted as a moralizing forces to even a, a, a much more tempered immigration flow and um, the replacement is, is going to lead us astray, but you know you brought up the, the Roman Empire, I, I am somewhat uh, hopeful when I think about our history because of course after the fall of the Roman Empire and Europe, you know, was uh, was catapulted into the so-called dark ages, which, depending on your perspective, were anything but dark. Um, it was Christianity that, in a way, resurrected and revived Europe, and not just in the Crusades. Um, but but it, it brought forth a a again it it, it resurrected like a, you know the phoenix from the ashes. Um, uh, poetry, philosophy, a sense of political ethic once again, um, and, and of course the arts. You know, through the Crusades, uh, Venice became this trading capital of the world, and then got a butt ton of cash and and spent it on all the right things, architecture, and some of the most beautiful art that humankind has ever seen. About 99% of it being inspired by, of course, uh, with divine inspiration, if you will, telling, you know, biblical stories um, through through the God-given talent of, of, of art. Um, I've, I've lost my train of thought now. Oh, I did actually have a question regarding Please. this topic, but you mentioned order before. I yes. actually see order, the natural order, just it's the same thing as morality. So once you mm -hmm. break the order, then that is immorality and 
you know, chaos, which is the same thing. So that's just the way I look at it. It's more, it seems really logical this way. But the question that I had for you, you said that back then, you know, the art, everything was beautiful because it was done for the glory of God. This is why, like, much of the religious art and the, the beautiful architecture, everything, they, they would spend, you know, years upon years upon years building a church. Just the amount of work, the detail. It's like, I'm, I'm in Europe now, so I'm seeing it all and it's just, I cannot you're in, get enough. You're in Vienna. Last yes, time I'm I was in Vienna. in Vienna, I remember the last time I was in Vienna. I was uh, I was coming through Iraq. It was actually to study the persecution of Christians there, documented, and I had a uh, connection through Vienna. And we spent the night there, and there's this beautiful church. I can't recall what it. And like you know, there's so much crusading history. There's of a course. lot in Vienna. Yeah, in yeah, it's amazing. It's the reason why you know the Mohammedans uh, pick 9/11 because of course you know siege of Vienna and September 11th, etc. I remember being outside this beautiful church and the architecture. And I'm often uh, caused to think about something that Gavin McInnes, sorry for cutting you off here, but it's just, no, I'm going to no lose I'm, I'm a boomer these days. You're younger than me. Okay. I, I got to stick with the, with the thought when it comes to mind. Um, and I, I'm often caused to think about what Gavin McInnes told me where he's like, do you ever think that these guys who were crafting the churches and painting these things are just chiseling away and they're inspired by the hand of God and they're just thinking, what the hell am I making? Like Holy Spirit just sort of takes over. So I'm at one of these churches and I'm outside and I'm like, whoa, like it's one of those churches where you're like, how? How exactly. did how did a, how that? did humans make it? I think the same thing. I think yeah. just how is it possible? Like certain paintings, I just it's it's I can't even comprehend it sometimes. Just in especially when you compare it with uh, a hmm. lot of the, you know, art that is produced today, especially and it's not even just that the art is less today, I think that it's upheld is so great. And that's the problem. But my question regarding all of this is, do you think that this has been my personal opinion is that Catholics aren't involved enough anymore? Like they, they stay in their own communities and don't uh, make an effort anymore to put to, to get involved in, in, in the direction that our country is going like politically, or even just contribute mm -hmm. to the, the culture war through art through Mm -hmm. through making things in the way that they used to. What do you think mm -hmm. about this? It's something that I often think about, and I wish that, that there was more Catholics in this community, just personally. Right. Um, I think that I think that there's two types of Catholics that are that are uninvolved, and, and those are, um, one category is those that, that lack ambition or will, and the other ones that, frankly, um, we've seen throughout much of the last several decades in this cultural war, cultural war that are busy... Um, frankly, um, tending to their homes, raising their families, um, going to work to provide for their families, that they have been unable to man the picket fences, uh, unlike our enemies on the cultural Marxist mm -hmm. side, which have been largely unmarried, childless, in homosexual True. relationships, um, having abortions. So, boy, they've got all the time and resources to invert and subvert our, our societies. Um, so, so I, I, you know, in one sense, I don't want to say I give those people a pass, but I don't want to paint them all with, like, you know, this lazy boomer brush. Um, that being said, uh, there are those that lack, I think, perhaps an understanding of the stakes of the game and and... Here I have to blame our shepherds to a degree, because that is indeed their fault. When you look at um, some of the numbers coming out of Europe right now, when you look at specifically the religiosity and, you know, Christianity, church going, etc., and, and the Anglican Church, of course, we're, we're Catholic, so, you know, I'm like, come home, friend, yeah. come home. Yeah. Martin Luther, of course, you know, we just celebrated his 500-year anniversary of the theses, and I'm just like, that was the greatest tragedy of the church as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'd like to see everyone. I, I'm, I'm an Eastern Catholic, so I kind of, I straddle between Byzantium and uh, the Latin Rite, and I love it, and I'd like to see, you know, 
the Eastern Catholic Church be handmade towards unification of both churches there, but the Protestants, I'm like, guys, nowhere in the Bible does it say Bible alone. Um, I was here somewhere with my thoughts. I just don't even remember where, where I was right now. But, oh yes, the numbers, the numbers coming out of, um, out of Europe. You look at some of these Anglican churches and you see the fact that 80% of, um, of priests there don't, be, I'm sorry, 80% is the, is the number of people who believe in the resurrection. That means 20% of them don't believe in the resurrection. 40% of them don't believe in the virgin birth. These are people who do not believe in basic tenets of our faith. Yeah. How are you going to be equipped to, to, you know, shepherd us going forward in more nuanced and contemporaneous um, uh, calls to action, frankly? That's the thing. It's so, after Vatican II, everything's like fractured and splintered. You know, the, I heard, I don't know the exact number, there's something like 40,000 denominations of Christianity now. Every, like, how would you even know where to go if there are so many? So that's the thing. It's the kind of divide and conquer method they've been using. So everything's so confused. Everyone's, they spend most of the time arguing about what is right. And then they don't see the enemies coming in and infiltrating because they're arguing over who's right. This is kind of, well, the Catholic church happening. is right. Now that yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I would agree with you. I would agree with you. So of course, that, that's why I converted to to uh, Ukrainian Catholicism specifically from Greek Orthodox, and it was after I spent a year of my life between first and second year university. I took off from school, and I was actually discerning a call to the nunnery. And I said, God, I'm no good with discernment by and large. I said, God, if this is your mission for me, please like blow this door wide open. If it's not, set it on fire. And well, indeed, the good Lord, He did set it on fire. Um, but it was through that year of spirit spiritual tutelage and a spiritual director who's PhD and a bishop and all this different stuff where I came to understand that Jesus Christ left um, his flock here on earth, not a Bible, but a church. And it's one that's founded uh, on the rock of Peter, i.e. the Catholic church. Yes. And once, you know, you swallow that red pill, I believe that there are red pills for different things in life. And, you know, there are different, you know, runs to the rabbit hole, so to speak. Um, once you, yeah, yeah, ingest that uh, red pill, it becomes really hard to unred pill yourself exactly. and to be like, oh no, I'm just going to carry on as I, as I was and essentially dead dogma at that point. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like not everyone obviously is religious. Not everyone's Christian. Not everyone's Catholic. There are a lot of atheists. There are a lot of pagans in, in the whole right-wing political movement. The thing is, us being Catholic, though, and looking at all of the problems we face, this, to us, obviously, is the most important and the biggest. And I just think it's not discussed enough, personally. Like, I don't like to shove my Catholic faith down anyone's throats. I believe in free will. You can choose to do whatever you want. That's the point. But it's not going to stop me from talking about it. So you can just, you know, skip the religious videos if you're not interested, but I do think it's really important. It's the most underreported story right now. There's a genocide of Christians being waged in the yeah. Middle East. Which I wanted years. to ask you about, because I know you went mm -hmm. reported on it. Yeah, absolutely. For two years in a row, Christians have been named the most persecuted yeah. group in the world. 2016, I think 90,000 Christians were killed for their faith. Like, nowhere is a war like that being waged except against Christians, and yet not one damn person is taking this on quite seriously. I mean, thank God, uh, just last month in October, uh, uh, VP Mike Pence said that, you know, we're going to be bypassing the UN 
refugee camps and just giving the money straight to USAID, I believe it's called, um, because of course the UN camps are run by Muslims and, and they make sure that their Muslim Shia and Sunni buddies, that their applications are at the top of the piles, not all the way at the bottom. So I, I was in Iraq earlier this year and I went uh, mostly to northern Iraq, although I was about 15 kilometers, I don't know how many miles that is, outside of Mosul uh, during, you know, after like, what was it, the second liberation? Who knows? You could still hear shelling going on, um, even though we we're quite a few kilometers away. And I spent most of my time in northern Iraq and, um, and Kurdistan as well, Iraqi Kurdistan. And I went to various Christian villages. And of course, Christians in the Middle East have been ghettoized. Like they're not living among their Muslim brothers and and sisters, these coexist bumper stickers that you see are a farce. Yeah. Um, they can't coexist, and not under Muslim law. You just can't be a Christian there. Um, so basically, look, I, I, you said this is the number one issue for Christians. Muslims have never stopped fighting the Crusades. For them, this is a holy war. Um, for Christians, we should understand that both uh, when it comes to Islam and the cultural Marxists, um, this is a holy war. Their okay. sights are set on the Christian God. These people are persecuted. One out of every ten Christians worldwide is persecuted in a very serious way for their faith. Uh, you know, When a woman in a hijab is called a name or harassed in some way, we hear mm -hmm. about it four weeks yeah. in the media. Um, there are people who are literally being slaughtered for their love of Jesus Christ and mums the word. Muslims are free to have their beliefs and, and that's, you know, their religion. But the second right. a Christian says, for example, I'm against abortion because I believe it's murder, then that's, it's not due to your religion. It's just a personal, you know, bigotry and you're you're hiding behind your religion, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Why is it that, that in your opinion, that they they just they hate the pop the dominant culture hates christianity like the, this texas massacre this horrible texas massacre it was an atheist that shot up christians so you know you can regard this as a hate crime towards christians but the second that came out the media didn't want to talk about it anymore but just in general i see this extreme hatred towards christians just as a whole um, this this year was the most dangerous year for uh, churchgoers in America. Um, and again, you, you, there's no connection. An atheist shoots up a Christian church, but we're like, I have no idea how this happened. Mm -hmm. Anyone, anyone shoots up a mosque, guess what happens? It's Islamophobia. Right. The, the very, it's a very, very simple question, uh, answer to your question, Britt. Um, why the hatred? And, and, and I'm speaking going to talk to the Christians in your audience here. It's very, very simple because our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and dominions. War. It is a spiritual war. These people are, are led by a spirit of evil. Look at Saul Alinsky. He, he dedicated rules for radicals to who? Lucifer? Yeah. Like, like it, it, these people are not closeted the same way, you know, I wear my faith like on my, you know, face, so to speak. Um, these guys wore their, their, their love of the, the subversive evil, the anti-good, the anti-God. They did it very, very um, uh, openly. And, and what's amazing about them is that they came up with a plan. They weren't just like, you know, creating black masses and doing, I don't know, Hillary Clinton, you know, offerings to ball. Um, but but they had a, a very, very um, methodical and indeed a successful um, 
strategy to achieving their goals of subversion of our society and undoing of our Christian and European way of life. And and you know, I, I refer your audience to uh, one book called The Naked Communist. I believe it was yes, re- I read that in high school because I homeschooled. It's fantastic. It's well, because I was going to say, it's like, that's a good <laughs> yeah. for, for yeah. high school for you to be reading that. Okay, so like, good mom and dad there, bravo. Um, but it was uh, written, uh, and this is, it was a little while ago that I re- read about, I think 1958, uh, an author who was an undercover, essentially FBI agent, who said like, these are their goals, it was like, take over the unions, take over the university press, take over the press itself, take over the popular culture, normalize things like homosexuality, make divorces, very easy to come, come by. Um and of course, uh, use the feminist and environmental movements in order to achieve our ends and get people away from God. The thing is, is that when you have God, you have a level above government, right? You also have um, a sense of, of, it's not this unfettered individualism. It's something the individual is most fully realized in the structure of the family, which is, of course, the 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 founding block, the the you know the or the 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 originating organism of the state. And you know, one hand washes the other, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Everything should be symbiotic. It shouldn't be one against the other. And right now, this unfettered individualism we have, um, chasing after these appetites as opposed to any sort of structure and ordered and noble goal for both God and country and family, um, it's, it's led us to a, a, a most profound sense of emptiness. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're empty and you're directionless, well, guess what? People can massage you in any way that they damn well please. And, and I regret to inform our audience that, that there are a lot of people who are doing the massaging from higher levels that do not have your best interest in mind, let alone your families, if you are blessed to have one. Mm-hmm. The emptiness is... I mean, because God created us with the purpose to attain heaven, obviously. So that is our purpose. So if we ignore it, then we're never going to be... Like, there are people you can see, like, for example, in my community in California, the Catholic community there, like, the priests, the nuns have such a hard life. They have, like, no money. They own nothing. They work so hard, but they're so happy. And it's because yeah. they're fulfilled, because they're serving God and they know. It's the most beautiful thing to witness that, that I ever have. But I think in attacking Christianity, that uh, by default, that by extension, broke down the family. Because, you know, the, the saying, like, the family that prays together stays together. My family mm-hmm. has gone through some of the most difficult things over the years. Mm-hmm. And I doubt we would have all been able to pull through and stay together without having our faith. That's that's the reason why. But Amen. Yeah, I think it's... But you know you know what it is? Because sometimes, you know, these Nietzscheans will say slave mentality, you know, these cross slaves, etc. The thing is, um, it, it's not like we, we exalt our suffering. It's mm-hmm. we find meaning in our suffering. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing worse than witnessing hopeless grief. Like, if you've ever been to a yeah. funeral and you've been around someone who does not believe in, in eternity and something hereafter, and let me tell you, I've seen things in my day, okay? It's real. It is real. Um, especially if you've ever been on pilgrimage and stuff like that, that's where, like, you know, the line between supernatural and temporal gets really, really skewed, and it's like, oh, I always say believing is seeing. Um, but if you're at one of these funerals and these people have lost a, a family member and they want a celebration of life, what a load of BS celebrations of life are, right? Like this is this is ultimate egoism, atomization, um, I, me, like this is this is this is not real, this is not traditional. And and, and speaking of traditional, I, I want to touch on for a second this idea of buffeteria and designer religions in a moment. 
Um, but but hopeless grief is where we are, frankly, as a society. And, and you know, I use that term interchangeably with um, with nihilism. And, and you know, Nietzsche, um, for those who want to, you know, say what they will about us as, as uh, uh, devotees of the Lord. Um, he talked about he talked about nihilism not only as a personal outlook but also as a societal stage, mm-hmm. and I think that is for many where we really are. And I was saying this uh, I used this analogy um, before actually when I was uh, talking to uh, uh, our friends at uh, America First Media on the National Review, James Alsop and, and Nick Fuentes. I said I believe that we are at this point in our society where you know just before a tsunami, just before the big wave comes. Yep. Everything will recede back, and all of a sudden you see all the crap on the beach. You see all the garbage. That's where I feel we are now. And people are just starting to see, oh, God, we've been lied to. Oh, God, that's not working. Like, yeah. feminism is crap, you know what I mean? All this stuff, it's, it's, all, it's all there. But that's just before the wave comes. And I pray to God that that wave is one of patriotism, is one of higher birth rates and there's one indeed of, of, of a, a, a um, charismatic reinvigoration and resurrection of the true church here on earth and we know that's going to be what happens we know that because it's been, it's been prophesized in the bible and so far so good on the prophecies right yeah. we just got a couple more left to fill and so you know we know that before the next stage so to speak this is what's going to happen. You're going to see a charismatic renewal of the faith. And that's why I think we do see people like you, like Nick Fuentes, um, like myself, folks who are out there who are indeed, you know, um, frankly, not Q-tips, as I say, gray hair and gray socks, um, or white hair and white socks, younger people who are so on fire for the Lord because it's truth. And after, you know, you know, it's, it's this business of, you know, a sea of lies and, and uh, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And so I do have hope. And I, I, I looked up numbers before coming on your program generation z is attending church to the tune of twice as much as millennials wow even higher than their parents yeah well i read that in you know the the big recent independence march in poland which was beautiful to behold it's something like 75 to 80 percent of poland is still catholic it's it's Mm -hmm. somewhere around there but the younger generation is twice as conservative and catholic religious as the older generation so i wonder if it's you know when you get to a point and things just get so ugly, so uh, corrupt, that you just have to, you know, move away from it, like draw back. Maybe that's the point we're at. It's it's not necessarily, I think, because there obviously there's something that's making all of these people move back, like towards religion, or at least a conservative outlook, like want to embrace traditional values, even though they might not be religious, but what is it? It's it, is it that we've gotten to the point where it is so bad that just average, you know, decent people can't stand to look upon it, don't want to be affiliated, associated in any way, and are moving back towards more a more conservative way of life? I, I believe it's just truth. Uh, we all have it imprinted on our hearts, right? And and we know when we are in the presence of capital T truth. Mm. Um, we can sometimes, you know, be duped, and it's very hard to convince people that they have been duped. It's a lot easier just to dupe them. Um, but but I believe that there is always going to be a hunger and thirst for, you know, philosophy, so to speak, for this yeah. love of wisdom, capital W wisdom, godly wisdom in our case, if we can speak frankly. Um, and and it, it's going to lead people to seek the truth. And that's why, and, and I want to mention for a second, designer religions, because um, I know that a lot of people on the kind of traditionalist right who might be kind of these esoterics, if you will, or cultural Christians, reading a lot of their Evola, etc. Uh, I, I, Evola himself 
warned about designer religions, that it is indeed anti-traditional to any people to have these buffeteria approaches to, um, say, Christianity, where it's like, well, I don't like the daily mass thing, um, but I think I believe in Jesus. He was kind of like a noble, uh, a divine Robin Hood, so I'll take that. Um, the yoga stuff brings me peace, so I'll, I'll praise the salamander gods too. Let's bring that in there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And this and the Kabbalah and and whatever else. You know. And so it it, it is anti traditional to just cherry pick your way through religion and this is something that I think that the church has kind of lost track of it's this business of Jesus is your homeboy you know what I mean yeah. kind of feel sorry for your sins and like y'all are forgiven nuh-uh like true contrition is 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 it's, it's exhausting it's exhausting doing an examination of conscience there should be no receiving of the Eucharist unless you have gone for confession like you have to be in a state of grace before you receive our the, the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and by the way I go to a church, I spent, I, I spent an hour every Sunday driving outside of the city to go to a country church. Where that was frankly, me I in California, see, I had to drive an hour each way, every Sunday. Uh, it's, it's, which part of California were you in, don't you ask uh, Bay Area. So it, okay, Bay yeah. Uh, I, I found an interesting church. I was closer to LA and um, I found people were so on fire for the Lord and it's probably because they really were kind of like, you know, um, like a voice in the wilderness, so to speak, out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so anyway, so I've, I've left the the churches in the city by and large. I mean, I do church shop around here sometimes. Uh, it's for various reasons. Um, the, the most kind of notable one is that I uh, cannot see the faith reflected in the sermons. And the best sermons you'll get are basically a regurgitation of the gospel. I'm like, I heard the gospel. Can you contextualize it for me now? I travel an hour outside the city where I show up two minutes late for mass. And guess what? There ain't no seats available for me because it's packed. Young families, awesome. young European families, uh, ones from you know British stock, etc., that have kind of gone to the more a rural way of life uh, to get out of this debaucherous hellhole. Uh, which you know, God, thank you that I'm not born in another place. But frankly, sometimes the sin is a little too pervasive in this place. And what our priest talks about is he talks about um, the sin of homosexuality, about how transgenders, while they should be loved and respected and treated with dignity, ought not to be indulged in their illness, spiritual, mental, and otherwise. Um, but he talks about abortion. Like, he talks about yeah. the fact where it's like we're aborting our yeah. replacement. Mm -hmm. That's literally what yeah, we're doing. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that next. But really quick, on the point where you said your church is packed, I'm not going to say where I am now, but the, no, the, no. the, the parish that I'm going to, is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. There's like five masses on Sunday because there's so many people. Beautiful. The vast majority are young people. Like, but when they're 18 or 20, the the girls in the in the parish are already married, have one to two kids. Amazing. It's like you go. There, it's just incredible seeing it because the the parish I was in previously was mostly older people. There was I was like the youngest there, but now going to this new parish that's huge. Just it's it's incredible. It it is encouraging. It gives me hope. But on the topic of abortion, you know, there's a lot of people that that speak out against. What would you say to people who speak out against like the great you know population replacement, for example? But then don't simultaneously speak out against abortion because this is a huge reason why the demographics are so um low right skewed, now yeah yeah skewed and and you know white people are going to become a minority even in the u.s and i don't know i don't remember how many years it is but not that long 2040 something like that yeah canada as well we're we're the country with the fastest changing uh ethnic we're the 
fastest rate of ethnic change on the face of the planet, Brett. It's faster than, than Germany, than France, and the UK, and than the US, and wow. faster than Sweden even, um, just because of our immigration and, of course, our birth rates as well, but mostly it's immigration. We're a country of 35 million. We're importing now over 300,000 a year. Four out of five of them are visible minorities, and guess what? They keep their kids. We don't. Yeah, um, we're not having them, or um, we're aborting them. Look, the and this is something that if 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 you're interested at all um, in the topic, Pat Buchanan has has written at length about this, and and I think it's it's very very instructive, and it's that the cultural front lines that Christians typically and Christian lobbies have typically fought along have not been unimportant. And indeed, um, should we have won those battles, um, our, the face of our countries would be extraordinarily different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes folks will say, well, love your neighbor as yourself. You know what I mean? So, like, welcome all these people in. Welcome all these people in. Give the shirt off your back and make sure that they're well fed. Uh, Love your neighbor as yourself. We are commanded to love ourselves. We are commanded to love our people, yes, within the body of Christ, and also our countrymen. Um, exactly. and, and we have forgotten that. We are slaughtering our countrymen, mm -hmm. frankly, and, and we have abandoned the body of Christ abroad in turning a blind eye to the genocide across Middle East, Middle Eastern Christians, which is indeed the historical homeland of Christianity. Jesus was himself a, a, a Christian, and of course, my end game is not to bring in all the Christian refugees. I would pick a Christian refugee over a Muslim refugee any day of the week. That's a no-brainer no for me. However, I'd rather have everyone stay within their place mm -hmm. of origin and continue to, to have a fruitful and thriving lifestyle within the place that they are most comfortable mm -hmm. and, and belong and can needn't assimilate to or from, but just continue on in their way of life. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to send aid to them if we're so concerned and, you know, if it's the Christian thing to do to help your neighbor. But, yeah, at the expense of our countrymen. It's not just that, that they're all being brought in and it's all wonderful, you know, butterflies and rainbows. It is having serious negative um, consequences. And, and, we, and we see it now. And that's the thing. It's like any country that wants to preserve their security and identity. Poland, for example, their recent independence march. You had all of the mainstream media, all these, you know, liberal, blue checkmark Twitter people just saying 60,000 neo-Nazis gathered in Poland. Just, with, just like that. Because they are patriotic, because they were chanting, we want God, which is the most amazing thing ever. I, I, got, I got really yeah. jazzed. Like, I'm not yeah. for tattoos, but if I ever was, that's what I get. <laughs> because they were doing this and because they're like, Islam is not cohesive with our uh, traditions, with our values, then automatically they're all Nazis. That's the thing. They want to demonize this love of country, this wanting to preserve like your homeland and the Czech Republic, uh, Hungary, Poland, just saying, screw you. I recently was yeah. in Hungary and just when I asked Merit Laszlo, he's the guy who built the fence, the border fence, which they have border patrol there and the border fence, which has cut illegal immigration by over 99%. And before then That's they right. had tons of the migrants coming in. I said, so why, you know, just for those who, who don't understand, I was just like, why are you guys so against having the migrants come in? He said, because we're normal people. Mm-hmm. We're not crazy. It's but we have... You know, we, we love our country and want to preserve mm -hmm. it. 
but we have been brainwashed to believe the opposite. And this is the business of, of chaos versus order. It's, it's, it's what's natural versus what's unnatural. And we've been told to reject within us very natural sentiments, love of family, mm -hmm. love of country, and love of one's own. These are all very, very natural exactly. feelings that everyone indeed ha has a right to them and, and, and should um, do everything to, frankly, cultivate that, you know, in the here and now but instead we've been told no um you know your way of life is is just the same as everyone else's but if you even try to say it's just the same well we're going to tell you it's actually lesser than and and you know when you look at western civilization in and of itself the very principles that it is based upon are indeed rooted in the gospel. You know, founding fathers of America were not exactly an unpious uh, group. You know, they were, they were deeply, deeply spiritual and religious. Uh, frankly, they believed in the Christian God. You look at the key tenets that make the Western civilization so great. Personal responsibility. Rooted in the Bible. You screw up, you're going to have to wear it. Um, uh, equality of opportunity. Everyone is going to be equal before God. Okay, you can go there. Manifest destiny, man. You you, you work hard. You can achieve the American dream. Um, and and freedom. God, as you mentioned, does not put in the stars. Believe in me, by the way, I exist. He 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 loves his children so much. He gives us freedom. The thing is, and what I'm going to say is going to sound um, bigoted, but but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, not everyone especially those who have not been raised with, with a Christian moral ethic, is capable of honoring these principles within a society. Some will subvert them, and some will do away with them altogether. And we have allowed the fox into the hen house. It says in the Bible itself, do not throw pearls at swine. We have indeed opened up the jewelry box and just put it into the pig pen and and you know these things are sacred and they're amazing but it takes a certain sort of people to to live by these principles and we're saying you know maybe Ahmed Muhammad will be able to do just fine no he's going to build a madrasa he's going to go into a Muslim no-go zone he's going to set police cars on fire and he's going to make sure that you know he can rape his wife and not get accused because Sharia law now exists in his country which was once you know part of the British Empire so it's it's, it's this business of civilizations die because of suicide and not because of murder. And hell, this is the greatest mass suicide. And it's against our religion to commit suicide. So <laughs> Christians, wake up, damn it. It's a holy war. Start acting yeah. like it. And it's now or never. This is the fight. Things are escalating. They're getting... Yeah. It, it, just in the past year alone, it's insane. How like because mm -hmm. so many people just aren't aware, so they can't see you know the car crashes going on in the background because you know they have headphones on and are looking at something else. But this is really we are hurtling towards our own destruction. And if we don't do something now, you're not going to have a chance later. If you want to have a normal job, you want to get married, have a family one day. Do you want this to be possible? If so, it's time mm -hmm. to do something now. And and you know the I would encourage everyone watching really I'm putting out a long series on this so you can wait for that information if you want but look into George Soros because his specific goals which he openly admits to are this complete dissolution of borders mix up the entire world paint everyone who values their homeland who is who is um, explicitly trying to you know preserve security and identity of their countries as extremists to make it not seem normal, but completely radical. This is, they're all his goals, openly. 
So, mm-hmm. And that's the thing that the, the, these henchmen of the evil one have never um, really concealed, at least not in modern history, they haven't concealed their ends and even their strategy of how they're going to achieve them. But we have become desensitized because we, ha- we are rudderless. So, so we don't, we're not able to say like, whoa, that seems like really bad. Nigel Farage just today came out and said, you know, everyone's sniffing around in the mainstream media and international political organizations are saying, and around the Ruskies to see how they're interfering with elections. Hello, George Soros. The Open Societies Foundation has openly gone to bed with Justin Trudeau's liberals here in Canada. Um, there was a, a, a immigration, Canadian immigration summit that was held, I believe, and it was in September. Um, and it was basically written, like, it's, it's, it's Government of Canada letterhead, and it was penned in tandem with the Open Society Foundation, George Soros's, you know, chief uh, philanthropic uh, organization. And look, the last um, political election in, in uh, presidential election in 2016 in the U.S., I think that the combined efforts of, like, all these super PACs were something like $2 billion yeah. in spending. George Soros just topped up his organizations with 18, 18 billion. billion. Yeah. Like, you cannot compete you can buy against them. Nine elections there, yeah. then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And and if you are not a principled person, let me tell you, pragmatism and corporatism has gone up like over, and you're going to take his money. And and that's going to lead us, you know, massively astray. These, these are crazy, crazy times. And, and you're so right in saying that the time is now. You know, the very first crusade was called after four centuries of Muslim pillaging and raping, conquests and sieges and sacking. And it was, wasn't was until two-thirds of Christendom was literally conquested by Muslims that finally people were like, um, hey, Pope, Maybe we should do something. <laughs> can we do something now? <laughs> Europe is done. With the exception of, a, you know, Austria, um, Hungary, Poland, Czech Republic, and Slovakia, kind of, I call it, like, you know, the middle, like, the donut of the Schengen area, because that's kind of what it looks like. It's, like, this little, like, base, like, circle within a larger Schengen area. Mm-hmm. With the exception of those guys, the European Caliphate is established. It is, and it is a permanent migration crisis, because we're not firing at the boats. We're not interning the people on the watch lists. They're here. Muhammad has been the number one name in London for like a decade now. Okay? So, so and, and meanwhile, European church-going rates, they're pretty much all under 30% with, with exception yeah. of Poland. It's like, it's like a crime to go into these churches yeah. and see them turned into museums. A bunch of people going in and completely... It's like using a car t- to fly. Like, they're not being used for the purpose that they were actually made. And so, yeah. so I, it, 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 I hate it going in and seeing these, like, beautiful churches. And then, you know, in, in America, we have these, these, like, little, you know, barns where churches said at least, the, the church I'm at now is relatively nice, but nothing in comparison to the ones here. It's just really sad. Like, Notre Dame, you go there. It's a museum. Europe is a land of godlessness. And... Um, this was the cradle. This was this was a civilization that that both um, held on and, and really relayed the faith. I mean, while it originated in the Middle East after Is- after Muhammad basically conquested all of the Middle East, um, Europe said, "Hey, you guys got something over here," and took it on and allowed it to inspire the best parts of its um, civilization, its society, its art, its 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 political moral code, etc. And and now that's done away with. For me, um, really. The U.S. is is the is the city on the hill in this case. Um, it's it's the last hope, you know. Um, if you look at the numbers in Europe, like I said, every state outside of Poland is basically under thirty percent when it comes to regular church attendance. 
if you look at the breakdown of the United States, every state is above 30%, whereas as a whole, 70% of Americans say that they are indeed Christian. So I find some hope in that. And under, you know, Donald Trump's presidency, I, of course, am emboldened in that fact. I mean, this is a president who um, said we're bringing God back to the White House, who said that churches should be allowed to participate in politics. That was one of the biggest things that the church ever allowed itself to be duped into. Christians as a whole make up a bigger lobby group group, so to speak, than any other group in the face of America. And and if we banded together, we could get what we wanted politically, but instead we've allowed ourselves mm -hmm. to essentially become unmanned, so to speak, become impotent within the political sphere because we think, oh, like, we're going to lose our tax-exempt status. Honestly, I say F them. Lose your tax-exempt status. Start paying your taxes so that you can actually do what you want to do. Same goes for the Christian schools. We've got Catholic schools right here that are teaching kids... Uh, in grade, uh, in, 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 as young as six years old about consent. In, in, at eight years old, they're learning about gender identity theory. In grade five, they're learning about anal sex. Like this is stuff where in a Catholic school should not be happening no, whatsoever. But we say, we don't want to lose our taxes. We don't want to lose, you're not a Catholic school anymore if you're teaching this stuff. Literally break away and become mm -hmm. private. We're, we're at the stage right now where we have to cut our losses and move forward if we want to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. Just saying you're Catholic doesn't make you, well, it, it makes you, if you are Catholic, you are in fact Catholic, but you might not necessarily be a good one. So there are a lot of just Catholics in name, but on practice, actually being Catholic is actions. Yeah. And I, and I, and I hate to say this, but not all the baptized are going to heaven. Look, it sucks to say, and it's something that we don't think about a lot, but if it is, well, then heck, like, I, I did that when I was a baby, like, I'm good, I'm yeah, gonna go exactly. ahead and sin now, I ain't gonna go to church, like, no, it's there because the baptized, yes, well, you're anointed, and yes, you were marked by God, and you know, like, there's the sheaves and the goats, and da -da -da -da. we get that, but... Just because you're baptized don't mean you're going to heaven, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to continue. It's about daily conversion. It's, it's, about, it's about this pilgrim's process and continuing to work for the glory of God. And let me tell you, God makes the load easy. He really, and he makes it a joy. He really, really does. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it's a bit of a black pill when you're looking around and you're like, oh my gosh, how far we have fallen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's able to give you sprinkles of white pills because he's like, this is like, you know, what I promised you. And these are the graces that I'm going to bless you with. And these are the people I'm going to put in your life to make sure that you know you have the faith the courage and indeed the tools the holy tools necessary in, toward, in order to achieve the, the the missions that i have i have prescribed to you and the mission is really big right now like like, like we need more we need more soldiers on the ground and so like i call everyone if, for, if nothing else i call you you know we're going into advent just say a prayer uh, honestly like, say a prayer for what for western civilization for the restoration of borders of birth rates and and for the love of god within our our, our countries i mean it really say our our father every single day for you know before advent or during Advent before Christmas, and, and just pray for, for borders, birth rates, and the Bible to come back to, to Western civilization, just one Our Father, and you know, I, I'll be doing that, that, that's part of my Advent mission, and, and my prayer almsgiving, but, but, I mean, we need all hands on deck, and everyone, like the body of Christ, they say, you know, it's, it's like a body, you know, we've, uh, there's the hands, there's the eyes, there's this, everyone's got their own role, but like, we need everyone's talents and gifts on, uh, on, on uh, on this mission basically right now because frankly the evil one has all of his minions working overtime absolutely that's the thing and, and as someone said uh replied to a comment when i put out a photo from the independence march in poland and said that they were saying we want god they were like no we need god 
Yeah. I, I would have to agree. I would have to agree. But it's like that business of like uh, the uh, not uh, the hero we needed, not the one we deserve. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, we need. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or you know, we're done. But being mm. Catholic, believing in God, I can never be hopeless. So that's the one, the one good thing. But we um, know how the story ends. We yeah. Christians know how the story ends. Jesus come back. We know that. And then guess what's going to happen? Everyone's going to realize it was real. Everyone's going to realize, you know, all of their sins are going to see laid bare right in front of them. They're going to understand what sort of things were written in the gold, in the good book of life in gold versus those that were written in another color. And, and you know what? God is merciful while we're alive, but he is a just judge. And we forget about that picture about God sometimes, you know, and, and the thing is, it's that business, you know, godly wisdom is preparation. Okay. I prepared a little bit before coming on here with you, making sure that I refresh my, myself with numbers and stuff like that. We got to prepare every day in our lives before we go out. It's, it's that, it's that, that, that parable from the Bible of, you know, the 10, uh, the, the 10, um, uh, what are they, what are they called? Like bride, so to speak, mm -hmm. where they've got They've got their, their oil and five of them come with oil. Five of them don't. And then Jesus shuts the door and they're like, Hey, do you have some oil for us? Do you have some oil for us? And he shuts the door. We have to remember that we know how this story ends. And like, sorry, not everyone's, everyone's called, but like few actually are chosen. And the thing that is amazing about this life is that we can choose to be part of this call to answer God's call and to actually make a difference here. And and it's not enough to retreat anymore. The spiritual battle that is occurring has intensified and the forces of darkness, frankly, have taken over. And if you don't see that, if you don't understand that Islam and the globalists and the cultural Marxist is on the march and he's coming to your backyard and he's coming after your family and your children, then you're not paying attention. And, and if you're fine with forfeiting it, well, then God have mercy on your soul. I, for one, am not. And I thank you, Brittany, for, for also being part of this fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really, this has been, I, I've come to the end of my questions, but this has been really amazing for me to talk to you because, I mean, it's one thing to agree with someone politically, but it's quite another to know someone, feel like you have an ally and someone who believes the same things as you do, you know, in the spiritual sense, which to me is, and I know you, is far more important than anything else. So I really Amen. appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It's the best place to find you on Twitter. And then I know you mentioned you're launching a YouTube channel this week. Yeah, so, I'm finally yay. doing it, guys. Yeah, so I'm going independent this week. It is official. I just set up my Patreon. Um, I don't expect you to give me money before I actually do anything. <laughs> so first video out this week. Uh, so I'm happy Britt Brit had me on. I think that Lauren's going to have me on later this week. So I'm going to do a little bit of the rounds. Say hello to everyone. I'm reminding folks that I exist and I'm ready to rock and roll now. And uh, these are exciting times and you bet your bottoms it's going to be a lot of independent journalism and also of course the cultural commentary that is so desperately needed these days and thanks for having me on this is yeah, honestly really enriching i love yeah, it it's been amazing same and i'm so happy to have you back you really have no idea so thank you so much to everyone for watching really hope you enjoyed and thanks again faith god bless